Michael Sonbert and Antonio Vance have held nearly every job in K-12 education. They've coached, trained, and partnered with thousands of teachers and school leaders from over 100 cities and eight countries around the world. They are Skyrocket Educator Training, and these are their informal observations. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. I'm Michael Sombert, the founder of Skyrocket. Here, as always, with our Chief Schools Officer, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing, man. How are you? I'm doing amazing as well. I'm so excited for today's conversation. We are going to talk about one of our favorite topics, mm -hmm. something that we talk to school leaders all around the country about, teachers as well. It's teacher coaching. It's going to be the conversation is mostly a leader facing conversation. But if you're a teacher, we're going to ask you to hang out because we're certain that some of what you felt as a teacher in your career, whether that career is a half a year long or 30 years long, some of what you felt is going to be uh, talked about, referenced uh, in, in our conversation. And um, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between some of the, the teachers we talk about. And, uh, and and we bet some of what you've experienced. Before we get there, we're going to jump in, as always, with our three questions for Dr. Vance. First one's always random, something not terribly important, but it usually throws Antonio for a bit of a curveball. <laughs> Antonio, what's your favorite movie or what's the best movie of all time as you see it? Wait, which, which one? I can pick one? Yes, uh, I think uh, your 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 favorite movie okay. might also be your best the the best movie. Are okay. you suggesting okay. that your favorite movie is different than the movie you think is the best movie of all time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the best movie of all time is. I mean, that's a that that's definitely a trick question because I mean, there are just so many absolutely ridiculously amazing movies of all time. I oh, mean, so you're thinking like for this question, you're thinking the best movie would be something like a. A cl an all time classic. Yeah, your yeah, favorite all time. Yeah. All right. That, that that's good. Thanks time. for thanks for the push there. <laughs> I uh, I was thinking of them as the same thing, but uh, I like where your head is. Let's go with let's go with the your favorite movie of all time. We'll skip. Okay. The okay. That feels much more. Let's see. My favorite movie. Oh man, that's even. I mean, that's that's tough. Um, I mean, I think like there's like so many genres. This is tough um all time <laughs> i know what it is go for it all right so one of my favorite movies of all time and you probably haven't even seen it um is serial mom serial mom mm -hmm. what is that oh man i can't spoil it you gotta you gotta google it i'm never gonna watch it i promise <laughs> i have three kids. children i have three children under seven <laughs> years old i am not gonna watch it is not mom. serial like uh like Cornflake cereal. <laughs> no, I was assuming like kind of like serial killer. Is that is that <laughs> absolutely absolutely? I is anybody anybody famous in it? Of course there are. I can't spoil it. I don't want to spoil anything. It's just it's it's such a funny, hilarious, ridiculous movie. Um, kind of like dark humor. It's very dark humor, and it's funny and it's old. I mean, I'm I I, I constantly I try to not be forty, but. Um, my eight shows, but it's a really, really funny movie. I think all time, like the best movie ever is probably like The Godfather. Yeah, I, you know, I've never seen The Godfather. Can you believe that? Okay, can we stop the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I've never seen, I've never seen most really, I am not a, I am, I am, a, I am no cinephile as they say. I'm not a movie buff, man. What? 
Um, but you don't have to be a movie buff to not have seen The Godfather. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, I've never seen The Godfather. I've never seen most all-time famous or like beloved movies. Like I just the Matrix? haven't. You've seen The Matrix. Well, The Matrix. It's funny. The Matrix is gonna be is my favorite movie of all time. So okay. actually, you just stole my answer. But <laughs> oh, that's. I've, the Matrix is my favorite movie of all time, but I, I, most most movies and most shows, I am, I have a thing, man. I, I when I have two hours of free time, yeah. I don't want to spend it sitting quietly, in a in a like sitting quietly what, in a dark you, room. What were you doing in your twenties and thirties? I don't know, partying, hanging out, going to dinners, maybe I don't know, at least going to like parties at people's houses and stuff. I don't know. I just like there's something about going to sit down and watch a movie that feels like I'm not getting this time back. Like when I have when I have two hours of free time, I want to do what I want to do, not what somebody else wants me to do. When I'm watching a movie, I feel like I'm doing what somebody else wants me to do. So I am not a a big movie. This can quickly turn into a therapy session, but I think we should probably move on. Because you could argue that this is only because I have, you know, uh, three young children and when we get free time, we want to do our own thing. But I've always been like this. And and there's you want to hear something else crazy? I will watch a movie. I will watch the last 15 minutes of movie. You know how people are like, no, I can't watch the end. I don't want to get it spoiled. Like, this is why I didn't care if you spoiled Serial Mom, because I will watch. There'll be a movie that I really want to see. And this doesn't happen. all, but There'll be a movie I really want to see. And then I'll be flipping the channels and it'll be on and I'll see that there's like 15 minutes left and I'll just watch the last 15 minutes and it drives my wife berserk or the opposite. <laughs> there's a movie that I that I really want to see and I'll watch like the first 45 minutes and then I'll just like get up and go do something else and I won't finish it ever. Like there are movies that I've never seen the end of and I'm like, nah, I'm like, I think I knew how I think I knew how it was going to end. Oh my gosh. You can't do that with Mom. All right, I will. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a, a pledge to you that I'm going to watch Serial Mom between this is episode eight. So between episode eight and, and episode nine, I'm going to watch Serial Mom. I don't know what it's about. I don't know who's in it. I'm going to do it begrudgingly, but I'm going to watch Serial Mom. And then on, I'll give you on Kathleen episode, Turner. Kathleen Kathleen Turner's in it. Yes, and that's it. I, I love Kathleen Turner. So um, no kids, no kids. Kids can't watch it. Okay, I will. Uh, I will. I will watch it. Tell me about, um, on a more serious note, uh, Antonio, what's something that you've learned since the last time we were together, something you've seen, something that's inspired you, something that might resonate with some of our listeners? Yeah. Uh, you know, something that resonated with me recently, um, you know, I was listening to uh, Dr. Uh, Fauci speak, and I know folks have different opinions on him. Um, and as we approached uh, this, you know, morbid number of 500,000, um, citizens lost due to COVID, he made um, a, one of, a, a very good point and the interviewer asked him about what is his lowest point uh, of this entire uh, fiasco. And he said, you know, I don't really have, um, you, you know, there are certain low, low points, but I don't have an emotional reaction to this. Um, instead, I have a very intellectual reaction. And it's not that and, and he said, it's not that I'm not warm or don't care because, I mean, he's a doctor, he does. Sure. Um, but he said, in order for me to be effective, I can't have an emotional reaction to this. And it flashed in my head and I was thinking about a, co- a, a t- uh, I'm sorry, a leader that I was recently coaching that had to make some very, very big decisions um, about their school, especially about the upcoming year. And he was constantly referring back to 
his own emotions. And I wish I had that zinger at that time to, yeah. to, to separate out, you know, in order to, to move forward for children. And certainly not to say in schools that you can't be emotional and make decisions with love um, and thought we're working with children. Um, however, when we think about in at Skyrocket, when we talk to folks about, you know, having meetings and taking the weight out of really heavy conversations, it's not that there's no care or love, but as Dr. Fauci pointed, in order to, to really make the best decisions, to not let the emotions bog you down, but to, to actually have intellectual uh, responses to it. And I thought that that was really powerful uh, statement that I'm, I'm definitely working to embed in, into my own practice. It's, it's interesting. I had a, a coach once, a guy named Josh Miller, who I, he's not in education, but I think we should have him on the, at the, sh on the show at some point. Yeah. Um, he's, he's kicked my, it's fair to say he's kicked my, my butt up and down. You know, we were having our phone call. We always had phone calls, but he kicked my butt up and down the street many times. But he said to me once. Literally never, or figuratively? No, just figuratively, okay. just figuratively. We've, uh, <laughs> you're a tough guy, man. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But he like, you know, he's gotten me, uh, I've gotten real humble on some calls with him, right? We provide real tough coaching to people all the time. And he was, yeah. uh, he's, he's, uh, given me quite a bit, but he said to me at one point, he said, take your emotions out of it. What are your goals and how can you accomplish them? And to this day, like, yeah. Yeah. boom, lightning bolt, right? Fauci, that same thing. It doesn't mean that you don't care. Do you yeah. think? Dr. Fauci cares that 500,000 Americans are dead. I bet he does, right? To your point, he's a doctor. School leaders, of course, they're going to care about their 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 teachers, their staff, their their families. Most importantly, yeah. their students. And let's look at this. Like, let's look at this from a from a goal focused uh, position, right? What are the what are our goals here, and how can we accomplish them? Take our emotions out of this thing. What's the what are the decisions that need to be made? What needs to just get better right now? And so, that's that's. Uh, that's really powerful. Mine is, um, you know, mine is uh, a, a little bit different, but it kind of it kind of reminds me of, of yours in, in some sense. It's around uh, we were doing some some diversity, equity, and inclusion work, uh, or we were working with a school who was who was engaging in that work um, with one of our with one of our partners and on their own as well. And you know, there's a lot of staff members who are um, unhappy about it right who are uncomfortable uh who are struggling with many of the conversations and the you know the the director of um you know of uh of, of climate and student safety in response to people getting like people on the leadership team questioning hey like are we going down the right path we have a lot of teachers and let's just name it mostly white teachers who are uh for whom this is not this is not working, quote unquote. Right. And uh, and you and I both know, right? Having having engaged in DEI work for years and partnering with a really strong DEI team, that mm -hmm. there's no there's no there's no fixing, right? There's no like it's not like like oh like now nobody's a racist anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. oh that was a great session, right? Oh now there's no there are no like uh, there are no right. um, there are no gen there's no gender inequality, right? There's no racial inequality. I mean that's not the way that 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 work goes. But they were some of the folks were questioning, like, "Hey, is this the right fit? Are we doing this the right way?" And uh, you know, the director of, uh, of of climate and student safety said, "You know, we should think of this less like a, um, you know, less like something that uh, where there's a, a hard and fast, you know, answer at the end, and where there's like, you know, concrete 
learning and actionable next steps and more around like this for, for many people, this is like a, a tooth coming in. Right. This is like that kind of like this is like a like teething. Right. When a when a the child or, or, or an animal is like teething and it's really uncomfortable. Right. But 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 it's it's it means that growth is happening and that we shouldn't. Right. It means that 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 there's a transition happening here and that we shouldn't you know, stray away from this at this point because there are some people feeling uncomfortable because people feeling uncomfortable is actually part of this. You know, and they also engaged in a conversation about like whether there are some facilitation changes they need to make and whether there's some content changes they need to make. And, and, and if those are the if that's the case, then then go like great. Right. If, if if anybody doing this work or any other work in education, like, you know what, we need to make some shifts to our facilitation or to our content. Great. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just like straight up like DEI work. Uh, and folks examining their own their own biases, right? And folks examining their own history, and in some cases their own privilege, and that 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 should be an uncomfortable process. That that that, that means it's working, right? And that really it really stood out to me because he shared that, and it was a shift for many people on the team, uh, and it it actually uh, in part like inspired them to just keep on keeping on, if that makes sense. Right. And you know, Michael, I was as you're saying that I'm thinking about other things that we go through in life that are are those journeys where things feel terribly uncomfortable but in the end they have happened i mean i think about the coaching that we do with leaders i mean right. there are times when you know i'm coaching a leader and i know certainly you that the other person is squirming in their seat yeah and they feel terribly uncomfortable and it's tough for me to give folks really really tough feedback and but it has to be done we have to do this journey we have to partner together because you're absolutely like there is no um, winning without sweat, right? There's yeah. a diamond becomes a diamond after immense pressure, yeah. right? And so mm -hmm. it has to happen in, or, in order for that to go. That journey has to be to go through. And that's another movie, Lord of the Rings. They went through a long, terrible journey to get to the end. You probably haven't seen that either. Oh. I saw the third one. I saw, uh, what's that, Return of the King? <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. You, you know that I've never seen- The you know first two. I've seen the original Star Wars, Star Wars, and then I've seen Return of the Jedi, which is the third <laughs> one. Although technically, if you're a Star Wars fan, they're actually, I think, those are four and six, but they're the first and third ones that got released. But I've never seen Empire Strikes Back. Like, why? Why is that? Michael like, it's not hard to watch Empire Strikes Back. I've just never seen it. Like, Lando Calrissian, like, I barely even know who he is. Anyway, here's a, our last question before we talk teacher coaching. That's a bit of a, a trick question. And so we know that... Uh, leaders and uh, teachers and all, all folks in education like to relax at the end of a long mm -hmm. week. We always release our podcasts on Friday. And so we want to know if anybody's having a cocktail out there or, or we know that some folks may be having a cocktail. My question for you, Antonio, is are you having a cocktail today? And if so, what are you having? So I am not right now, Michael. It's uh, noon almost. Uh, we recorded, we changed our recording time uh today um so i have just finished some lovely coffee you know i'm fancy with coffee too that's so, right um people at home you should know that and so we normally record these in the evening yeah. um for multiple reasons but not the least of which is so we can have a drink <laughs> but this one just because of scheduling we're doing at uh 11 a.m uh or um it's 11 30 now but uh but Antonio, you should know, Antonio, at, he, I said, so listen, <laughs> we're going to record this thing tomorrow at 11. You know, obviously don't have a drink. 
And you said, why not? And then you looked at your calendar and said, what's what else do I have during the day? And you were trying to figure out a way to actually do it, uh, but then decided then decided against it. Well, you know, if I if I we, I have colleagues uh, that I work and meet with regularly uh, in the UK. Now, if we were meeting with them afterwards, um, then we probably have happy hour together. But now, I've hung out with some of those folks in New York, and uh, <laughs> that was uh, we we had many many cocktails that night. Absolutely. So, um, but my 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 meetings for the remainder of the day um, would not be good um, after. So, but this evening after those, I probably will have a glass of wine or something. I am not, uh, cheap not cheap wine. The good wine, the good stuff. Uh, I saw. Do you do you know what Jägermeister is? Do you know the drink Jägermeister? Yeah. yeah. So this is what everybody used to drink. What'd you say? I was like when I was in high school. That's what. I'm, that's what. I'm, so this is what everybody used to drink back when you know high school. Yeah. You were cool like Antonio High School. Me, I was in my twenties. But when you're young and uh, and tearing up, tearing up the 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 city and uh, or whatever your town is. Or you're at a, a house party. You're, he's hysterically laughing. What do you? What's the... <laughs> because we're not promoting underage drinking. <laughs> no, we are not promoting underage drinking. We are not promoting underage drinking. There are no. We hope that there is nobody underage listening to this show. Um, but we also know the reality that some folks do have a cocktail um, before their 21st, and it's usually something like Jägermeister. Well, anyway, I haven't had Jägermeister in 20 years, and the other day I saw a Jägermeister commercial. Oh, wow. A Jägermeister commercial, and I've got to tell you, it looked so delicious. <laughs> they paired it with a beer, and you know that nobody, you know that I don't know if you know this, but you're not allowed to drink alcohol in commercials. Do you know this? No, I didn't, uh, in, I the, really in the United in no. the United States. Next time you're watching, watch any beer commercial, any liquor commercial, anything. Folks have that; they have it in their hand. They're cheersing. You'll never see anybody take a take a sip. I'm not sure like what the rule or the law yeah, is, yeah, but yeah. you're not allowed to do that. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. You'll never see anyone take a drink. But there was like a beer, and then they said like pair it with the Jägermeister, and it looked unbelievably good and so i've decided so if, if folks haven't listened to episode seven i'm doing this uh, fitness and kind of like discipline program called 75 hard i'm on day 16 so i have another you know 59 or so days before i can have a cocktail but i am going to have my first drink i've decided is going to be a jägermeister and i think we should we should do a podcast that night mike we have 50 days to go i think your your drink choice will probably change <laughs> It very, it very well might. It very well might. On that note, let's transition. We are going to talk uh, teacher coaching, and I'm excited for for this conversation because truly, when I started Skyrocket, and Antonio, you you know you know this better than anybody. I started Skyrocket to solve a problem that I saw in K-12 education, particularly in, 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 in urban districts. And it doesn't mean it's not happening other places because I know it is, but we just work with, with almost exclusively uh, schools and cities that teachers are not getting better. Yep. That, and this doesn't mean teachers aren't great and passionate and, and, and incredibly, uh, incredibly you know, uh, you know, experienced and smart and all that stuff. But I noticed a trend where school leaders were not developing their teachers. Um, they were almost uh, entirely um, ignoring instruction. They might do an observation or a formal observation or two a year, one or two, whatever it is. 
I could even share stories, and I know you know of principals who don't get into classrooms and ask teachers to fill out their own formal observations, uh, which we've seen. Um, yep. But overwhelmingly, teachers weren't being developed. And so th this to me was this, this uh, there was a dissonance here that I, I couldn't reconcile because we were all agreeing, everybody across the board, that we needed to do way better for kids. That that if you know 20 24 percent of your students can read on grade level, that that is an emergency, right? If 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 32 percent of your students are proficient in math, that that is an emergency. It doesn't mean that they're not building other life skills along the way. It doesn't mean they're not learning um, you know you know, learning uh, about themselves and that they're not developing you know different character traits and, and maybe being prepared for. For, for, for career, you know, career in different fields. All that stuff could be true. And uh, we saw this major, major gap um, around what students were uh, able to do specifically in the subjects of reading, reading and math, reading, writing and math. And that the biggest lever, mm -hmm. the teachers, the people who were in front of them all day, every day, were largely responsible for their own development. They'd get some PD at the beginning of the year, and we've talked about PD on previous episodes, right. but they'd get some PD at the beginning of the year, um, poor, poorly designed or well-designed, poorly facilitated or well-facilitated. Well, well it was mostly poorly, but like after that, they were, they were on their own for, for, for in large part. Um, maybe I'll stop by your classroom and, and send you an email with some notes, but people don't get better with through emails with notes, right? Like, it's just like, nobody, nobody does anything with that. That's fine for some quick fixes, things like, hey, make sure you have an agenda slide with, with the objective and, and what you all are going to cover in the class. That's fine. That's a prescription, right? We make a distinction bet between prescriptions and habits, which we'll talk about in a moment. But these are these are quick fixes, they're prescriptions. Uh, and so it seemed like this, um, this thing that nobody was talking about, and I'm sure there were people. I just didn't hear people talk about it. Folks were trying to solve this problem that I thought was like the Titanic of problems, right? Through new curriculum, um, you know, uh, drive-by PD, uh, you know, PLCs, um, you know, additional staff members, teachers' assistants, things like that. But that what folks were missing was that teachers needed to get uh, way more effective yeah. and that school leaders were not only unable to do it, but were taking almost no responsibility for doing it. And it it felt to me like a flight instructor having <laughs> 30 pilots in front of her who can't fly as effectively as they need to. Doesn't mean they're all bad pilots, but that everybody needed more work around flying, as we all do in everything, and that all these pilots needed to get better, and the flight instructor was focused on other things, was yep. focused on whether they had the, whether the, the peanuts were, 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 were new on the planes, right? Whether they had the latest magazines um, in the in the seat backs, whether the barf bags were <laughs> were were replenished, <laughs> right? And they were not talking about the actual flying. Tell me, that's my opening kind of diatribe. But tell me what's on your mind, based yeah. on what I just shared. 
Yeah, Michael, you know what I'm thinking? Um, we, and I think back as my, my years as a, as a school leader, and there's no school leader that doesn't know that, you know, teachers are the bee's knees, right? That's where the, that's that right. contact happens. That's where um, the magic happens. And we spend so much time on so many other things, except for the thing that will influence how students perform. And that is getting teachers better. It is that simple. And what you mentioned, and, and you know, we draw this, this dichotomy in um, at Skyrocket between like, you know, teacher coaching and support. And I, when you think about, you know, athletes, you know, getting them better, uh, I play tennis, right? I'm not going to get better um, by just, you know, really quickly practicing my forehand, right? I have to keep doing it over and over and over and over again. And it is rare that you get to actually see that in, 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 in teacher coaching. And I think back, oh, there's a movie, ah, Man on Fire. Tell me you've seen that. Yes, you know, I do. It. See? Yeah. Right, there's that, that coaching part that happens. Oh, when she's um, swimming, right? When she's swimming, right? Yeah. I mean, and right, he didn't support, right? Oh, great job. Let's go a little bit faster. No, it was, it was coaching. Precise. Right? Stop, right in the middle. Start over. Do it again. Yeah, let, let's make this distinction because I do remember that scene. Let's make this distinction yeah. because when we'll, we'll, we'll get to most schools and they'll most people don't have a teacher coaching program. They don't have anything in place. But the folks yeah. that do, uh, which is, is fine. That's why that's why we exist, right? Um, yeah. But the folks that do will often say, hey, we, we, we coach teachers. And then when we observe it, <laughs> it's not actually uh, what we would consider to be coaching in any measurable way. It's yeah. It's really what we call support. Uh, and, and to give you an example of this, and this is something that I think is going to resonate with, with everybody who's listening, a, a support meeting with a teacher would look like uh, hearing what's on their mind, mm -hmm. um, maybe problem solving a student who hasn't been turning in work, uh, sharing some materials, they're teaching main idea next week, and you used to teach main idea when you were a teacher, so you share some materials with them. You ask, no, no, nothing's practiced, no skills are built, no oh, yeah. data is shared, no, there's no connection to a larger framework or a larger like instructional vision. Uh, the meeting ends with, hey, is there anything else you need? The person says, no, uh, and then you go about your business. Yes. And that is not coaching, right? It's, it's just not. Now, it doesn't mean it's not helpful, which is why we say it's support, right? Teachers likely leave that meeting feeling supported by their by their admin and that is an objectively good thing the problem is is they are not one <laughs> one you know iota better <laughs> at anything at the end of that at the end of that meeting yep. and so this is a great example of you know as i said most folks don't have teacher coaching in place but the folks that that do and i'm doing air quotes our, our friends at home can't see but um the, the folks that do uh, Almost, almost across the board from our observations, it's not what anybody in any other context would consider coaching. It's support. It's friendly. It's what do you need? Uh, there's 
a, there's room for those kinds of meetings. And we do think that leaders should be checking in with their teachers uh, formally or informally. Stop by a classroom. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? What happened with James? Is he, is he started turning in his assignments? Great. Like, uh, or let me, he hasn't. Let me check in with you at the end of the day. We'll talk more about um, I have some thoughts around how we can how we can address that. And of course, that type of stuff should happen. But what we're saying is when folks are committing to making teachers better, that they are actually coaching them, that they are collecting data. First of all, you they have to. This is this is a non-negotiable, right? Everybody listening to this, I hope this 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 buries itself in the back of your brain for for, for mm -hmm. the rest of your time in education. You have to have an agreed upon uh, an agreed upon uh, system for 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 evaluating uh, instructional effectiveness. You have to have an agreed upon rubric or framework that your school uses and actually uses, not sits at the bottom of a drawer for three months until it's time for formal observations, but like something that everybody's aware of, something that everybody's internalized the language of, something where the indicators are super clear. I mean, we think you should use Skyrocket. That's why I designed it, because it's simpler and more usable than anything that's out there. But if you don't use Skyrocket, if you don't like Skyrocket, that's great. Whatever you use, you you have to actually use. Otherwise, you're you're the quarterback of a football team that doesn't that doesn't have a playbook. Right. right. And you're just you're just you're running around and some of what happens may be great. A lot of it's going to be a real waste of time. And so you have to have that that set that framework. And then what what has to happen after that is that you have to collect data specific to, to the different pieces of the framework. So how many students are doing X? How many students are doing Y? What's the teacher doing or not doing that's leading to those things? And then the meetings to truly be coaching and the way that we describe coaching at Skyrocket, um, there's got to be a skill that's that's modeled and practiced and goals set at the end of it, right? And so something that sounds like, let's get really granular here. Hey, Antonio, I was in your class. Um, you gave uh, all, all group directions six times. The average on task of those six times was 39%. And it took students... Um, an average of, of 45 seconds uh, to get started, right? So here's the thing that we're going to that we're going to practice, right? And in that case, it would probably be something like scanning the room, which is Skyrocket 1.8, and praising students who are who are who are engaging in the work, which is Skyrocket 1.9, right? And so then that'd be a thing that I'd model. And so I want to show you, Antonio, what scanning in practice looks like, and I'd get really granular. Here's where you're going to stand. Here's what here's here's you should scan from right to left and back from left to right every time. Here's what positive praise looks like. We always say the student's name. We always name the exact behavior that that the students engaging in and we always make eye contact with them or something like that, right? And and it just but it has to be that precise otherwise what's happening is we are having general conversations with people around stuff that they're not totally clear on. They're not totally clear on why they're having this conversation without data, without a framework. It just feels like this is what my leader, this is what my leader thinks or, or wants versus no, this is what success in our school is going to look like. And here's what's going to get you there more clearly. And so that distinction between coaching and support uh, is a really, a really important one. And I'd love to know if you have, I mean, you see this playing out. 
all the time, even in, it's an uncomfortable shift for folks to, yeah. to move away from that supportive conversation to the actual like, here's, I'm going to get you better right now. Check this out. And we're going to script and we're going to model. We're going to practice. We're going to say it like kids are in the room um, so that we can do it really well when they actually are. Michael, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, we know um, as humans, like, what are the levers to get folks better? And we know how to get get people um, to do to do things at the at the very top. And I'm I'm always wondering, and I struggle often with why in education do we miss um, what? Why is this such a miss? And and that's not to say that there aren't places that are not knocking it out the park. Sure, there absolutely are. We're not saying every single leader um, is not coaching. We know that it's happening. Yes. One of the things that I run into when I go into schools is that folks push back because they feel like when there are frameworks, when there are data collection, when I'm you know, coaching a teacher to move here, stand here, talk this way, that it eliminates uh, their autonomy and that they are no longer you know, uh, a teacher that you know, uses their practice and their skills, but now they're automatons. And I think that it's important for folks to, to, to understand and to remember that you know, this is a journey and these are skills that have to get taught and learned over time. Yes. Think about it for a second. I mean, surgeons are not told to be creative and to be autonomous. Like, you know, you the, that's right. A practicing surgeon doesn't, you know, the resident watches the attending and then right. the attending stands there and says, cut here, move here, put this here. You mentioned pilots earlier. Pilots don't fly their airplane based the way they on want. how they feel that day <laughs> right. or their creativity. Right, a, a, a training pilot sits next to them, push this lever, adjust this knob. We're yes. gonna talk to the radio controller using this precise language. Right, right. And, in, and, and I like to think of education just as important as a surgeon, just as important as the air traffic controller. I believe that teachers' roles and jobs are, uh, are just as important. We are shaping the future and so, of course, as the pilot becomes more proficient, as the surgeon becomes more proficient, they're able to think through things in a different way, certainly, um, with, but still within the bounds of making sure that progress is made. And so I often get that, that push back from teachers and certainly um, educate. We're not here to stifle folks' creativity and stifle uh, the way that, that folks teach, but we know what the best practices are. We've seen them time and time and time again. And really building that muscle so that in the end, you are able to, 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 to employ those best practices and move things in a way that move their students. Look, I have so many thoughts on what you said. The first is that you're, you're, it's lights out, right? You're, exa you're exactly right. And, and we are not suggesting that school leaders stifle the creativity of their of their staff. I, right. When I when I was a teacher, I was a very animated. Uh, was probably, <laughs> probably not probably not surprising, right? If somebody would have told me, "Hey, um, you know, you're you're giving kids too many high fives in class. You're doing too many shout outs for students." You got I had nicknames for all my kids, right? Like like and 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 like you're, if they, if somebody would have said to me like, "Hey, that's." That's not working. That's that's uh, that's not the way we do things here. 
Not, not it's not working. I'm going to get to it's not working in a second. If somebody said that's not the way we do things here, that to me would be an issue. Uh, because that's squelching somebody's personality. And by the way, I taught next to people who were stoic uh, and really solid teachers as well. There, there was no like everybody's got to act this way. What, what did get expressed to me was like, hey, you are not assessing mastery at the end of every lesson. So you do not know who in your class knows the, who in the class got it and who didn't. And we need to fix that because that's something that we do here. And that there's to your point of the pilot or the surgeon, that's just these are just this is just the way we operate in this building, which is why those instructional standards are so important. Even if and again, you know, we think you should use Skyrocket. If you don't, great. Whatever you use. You've got to use it. It's got to be ta tattooed on on people. Like it's got to be hanging on walls and in 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 classrooms and in your office and all your conversations grounded in it because this is this is like the pilot getting up to speed on the runway and lowering right. and raising the flaps the right way. There's there's got to be a way that that looks even if you've got some teachers who are so creative that they're doing projects and they're doing like Socratic seminars and things like that and 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 all that stuff. And you're like, you're giving folks the autonomy to yeah. do that. But there's there's got to be a just the way you operate and that you're coaching to get folks there. Because one of my other thoughts, Antonio, and I, I just mentioned this a moment ago, and you said, well, teachers, I'm sorry, leaders often don't want to do X, they don't want to stifle, they don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong conversation. The right conversation is, is it working? Is what folks are doing working? And if it's not, then we have to take action. Absolutely. And if it's working for 25% of the kids, and I know that how we define working is very nuanced. I'm going super, I'm going really superficial here. But, you know, we often hear that leaders tell teachers, you know, your students better than anybody. You know what they need. Well, 60% of the kids can't read. And so let's at least engage in the conversation that this teacher who, by the way, is probably kicking ass and working as hard as as they possibly can. But let's at least engage in this conversation in the in the conversation that sounds like this teacher can improve, right? Like this teacher can absolutely improve and that it's a leader's job to coach them, not to make suggestions, not to send emails and, and, and or leave a note and kind of hope that change happens, but to use data to land on the thing and then practice the thing and set goals around the thing and get the teacher better at the thing so that it can impact student outcomes. You know, Michael, there's a sign in my gym and I've, I've said this before and I, I it's, it's become you know part of my mantra and it's what gets measured gets improved. Yeah. And to, to your point, when you talk about, you know, quote unquote, it's not working. We talked about this last episode when we were talking about goals um, that, in fact, if you are not making progress, if you look at your interim data and you're not making progress towards your goals, you must shift course. And so there is no, you, you don't sit and watch um, you, you're, you're, the, the numbers going down or, and we can relate to any other of the you know, careers that we're currently talking about, right? But if you aren't going in the right direction, if, you, if things aren't, happening the way that they should, um, it's not stifling. Uh, it's what's best for, 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 for the kids and the, the kids that we serve. And, and this is, it, you're spot on. And this is where there's such a key, this is so key. 
because we are with leaders all the time who uh, know mm-hmm. that their 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 students are not where where the students deserve to be, right. and that teachers are not as effective as they should be, and they start to engage in conversations that sound like, you know, um, I'm just I'm not sure if it's that teacher's skill or if it's their will, mm. <laughs> and when we examine what they've actually done to improve the teacher's skill, it's next to nothing. Mm-hmm. It's maybe an observation, a, a walkthrough for 15 minutes every other week, which by the way, I mean, let's just name it. That is actually a lot in, in the world we work in. I want folks to hear this, right? Wherever you are in this spectrum, if, a, if school leaders are visiting every classroom in their building 15 minutes every other week, those folks are in the top, I don't know, two or three percentile of all the schools that we visited, yeah. which is hundreds around the country and for, for you around the world. This These folks are in the top two or three percentile, right? Which is 15 minutes for a teacher every two weeks out of the, out of the, you know, the, the 80 hours they've taught, right? In that time, right? It's less than that. But when you think, when you factor in other stuff, but like, that's actually a lot in the world of, of teacher support and teacher. I'm not even calling that coaching. I'm calling it teacher support and development. Right. <laughs> but even within that, right? And by the way, and then there are folks who do, who do you know, every teacher, every day, whatever it is, every other day. And then there are folks who, you know, don't, don't see anybody over the course of the year. I, I just, I'm going to pause for a second because I have to share this. But we're working with a, with a school that's, that's in, um, they're a brand new school and they're hiring currently right now for the for the 2021-2022 school year and they're really setting the frame uh, just highly effectively in the in the interviews around like we give real-time coaching it means we're going to be in your classroom a lot we're going to be interjecting during lessons we're going to be observing you providing feedback coaching etc cetera, etc cetera. and they're saying that like so many of the people are saying like i see my administrator in my class once a year when it's evaluation time, right? And this, that's more, that's more the rule than the exception from our experience. And so getting back to this, this conversation um, around uh, being in the, being in the classrooms and the skill versus the will, when the, when the leader says, well, I'm not sure if it's their skill or will, when we examine what support they're actually providing, it really becomes, and I say this with all due respect, but it becomes an insane conversation to have, right? It, it's the equivalent of somebody who, who goes to the gym for 15 minutes every other week and is wondering why they've see, they're seeing absolutely no change uh, in, in their, in their, you know, in their, in their physique, in their health or whatever it is. It is not in that case, the teacher's will or skill, it's the leader, right? Yeah. The leader either is not skilled enough to, to truly coach this teacher and, de- and develop them, or they're, they're just not willing. And I think that that's an important thing, right? I mean, there's a lot of talk in our world. There's a lot of like ire toward teachers, right? You see it right now with schools coming back in person, teachers and teachers unions. And when teachers go on strike and it's teachers, 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 uh, some of that stuff's true. Some of it's not. That's not like, this is about leaders here, right? This is about leaders stepping up and saying, here's exactly what great instruction looks like in our building. And we are unwavering about that. And here is how we're going to coach people, coach, not support, but coach people to get there. And that's a really big distinction for a lot of, for a lot of leaders. Yep. Michael, when you're thinking, when you're talking about this skill versus will cycle, I'm thinking about 
how they are interrelated, right? If my skill is not being built or if my skill is low, that's going to directly influence my will. Because if I'm struggling every day, if I'm um, not getting better, that is, that's defeatist. If I go to the gym and work my ass off and I don't see any change, I'm going to not want to go. Yeah. And so I often push leaders away from, from, from using that, that sort of comparison when talking about teachers and even leaders, right? Uh, Is this a skill or a will issue? Um, the question is, what are you doing to improve yeah. that skill? What are you doing every single day, every time you interact with that teacher to make them better? Yeah, well, it's really like it's, uh, I love the point. It's in a lot of ways, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you're talking about, we're both talking about teacher will or skill here, and then we're, we're connecting it to leader. But let's use your same example. Let's say there's a leader who's not terribly confident in their ability to, to mm-hmm. coach and make people better. Uh, the person was a, was a solid teacher. They became an AP. They were more relationship-based, right? They, like, they weren't ever really an instructional expert, like ne- not necessarily a great manager, but yep. they had, now, now this person's the boss, right? And like, this person might not have the skill to make people better. And so now what happens is, like all of us, right, we're less confident about things that we're not as good at. Uh, And so now they are not developing folks. People are not getting better. They're trying to solve the problem. I've I've referred to you. I've said if urban education, (laughs) if urban education was a person in our country in 2021, it'd be standing (laughs) in an emergency room, uh, in an emergency room lobby with a knife in its chest and... If if <laughs> and and based on what's happening in urban ed right now, I want you all to picture the doctors and nurses running around talking about the suspicious mole on the person's shoulder <laughs> and the hangnail on its on its left on its left pinky, right? Like the, the, there's a there's a major thing happening here, and right. in so many places, folks are trying to address the problem with solutions that are not aligned to the problem. And so if we're saying that this thing is that important and it's that urgent, it matters that much, but a leader's not confident uh, on on how they do it, of course that's, and they don't have the skill, of course that's gonna affect their will to do it, right? They're not going to want to. And so what happens here, and this this is really important, is that school leaders can become Folks who just kind of manage buildings, they walk the halls, they check in with people, they make sure, you know, kids are where they're supposed to be. There's value to all this. They're, they check in with families. But if you think about, if you think about the problem on the, on the, at, at the same level that we're discussing the problem. Now, if you don't agree that the problem is as dire in urban ed as, as, as I'm saying right now and as Antonio and I are talking about, then that's a different conversation. And right. I want you to send me an email. Because I want to talk to you, right? Michael Michael Sonberg at WeWillSkyrocket.com. Send me an email because I want to talk to you. Because I want to, I want to know where you work and I want to find out what's happening there because so we can learn from it and we can we can bring it other places, right? We talk about in our autonomy is bullshit in education. Yeah. Show us what the best thing is. We'll, we're going to show everybody how to do it, right? You but won't get any emails. I won't get any emails, right? Um, but, but if you agree with us, Right then, we have to agree that teachers are their lever, are their lever, right? As you said, they have the most face time with kids, yeah. 
And they're the ones presenting the content. But we can't. How do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile under supporting? I'm not even talking about coaching under supporting teachers and, and almost an absence of coaching, mm-hmm. mm. knowing that they're the biggest lever and knowing how urgent it is. How do we reconcile that? You've got to preach. Mm. It's it's the I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's the person in the emergency room lobby with the knife in their chest and everybody's running around talking about they have eczema on their knee. Right. That is like that might be true. <laughs> right. That is not the thing that we need to address right now. Absolutely. Yep. So part of what happens here and I know there are some teachers listening to this who are like, hey, listen, listen, somber, listen, Vance, pr- appreciate it. But I actually like being left alone. I don't want my boss in my room all the time. That's that's stressful. And my boss, like, I don't I don't see any benefit in that. And you know what? You're probably right. You're probably right. Because if my mailman rang my doorbell and said he wanted to show me how to make rigatoni ala vodka, I'd say, get out of here. That's not our relationship. I don't know that you know what you're talking about in this regard. Right. That is not the way you and I relate to each other. Right. And so for so many teachers, that's their experience with their bosses. They never come into their room. When they do, it's for like check-ins or it's like what you did wrong, which nobody likes, right? Like, uh, but it's like these check-ins, it's this uh, general feedback, it's some suggestions that are never followed up upon. Yep. That are, that, that there's no, that, and so teachers become great. We've talked about this on a previous episode, but it's that important. Probably going to talk about it 80 more times on future episodes, like teachers become experts at ignoring their bosses and the bosses don't follow up in many places. Not always. I know there's somebody listening to this that says, Hey, BS, man, I do this all the time. Great. By the way, email me as well. I want to talk to you too. (laughs) We want want to find out who you are and where you're working so we can learn from you. But like, but so that's the thing is that, and if you talk to people, Think about it, man. You're a tennis player, right? I played sports when I was younger. Ask people what some of their fondest memories are. They will, not everybody, but many will talk back. They will, they will hearken back to a time when they were uh, in a, in a, in a school band or, or on a sports team or on a cheer squad or whatever it was when they were getting, uh, they were getting harsh feedback precise coaching and sure folks were younger back then and less worries and less cares. And I get that, but like, Folks, folks are not opposed to coaching. If if Tom Brady wanted to teach me how to throw a football and he was also an asshole while he was doing it, I'd be totally fine with that because he's that he's that good. If Simone Biles wanted to teach me how to do a backflip, you're a tennis, tennis guy. If Serena Williams wanted to teach you how to how to hit a backhand, right? Absolutely. Like you'd be on board, right? Yeah. And that's the that's the thing yeah. here is that it's it's the it's around like We've got to provide value for people. We've got to, you know, school leaders have, have got to um, be, be the Serena Williams of, of, uh, of, their, of their school, right? Of the, the Tom Brady of their school. And that everybody's going to want to get that coaching, even if it's uncomfortable, even if there's extra work to do as a result of it. Um, but I think for a lot of folks, it feels like the, the, my mailman coming to my house and asking me uh, and telling me he wants to show me how to make pasta. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, teachers more and more find that the, the, the support that they get isn't always connected uh, to the work that they actually do. So there's tons of professional development. 
There is PLCs around content. And often we see, you know, folks, you know, sit through those uh, developments and they're disenchanted. Yeah. It's, it's not, it, it's not connected to the actual things that are going to move and improve their everyday work and the actions that they're doing. And I remember as a, as a teacher, often dreading when a leader came in because they, they hadn't seen the entire lesson. And I'm sure they may have looked at my lesson plan and checked it off, but I probably copied and pasted what I wrote the week before. <laughs> um, and, and there are all these sort of, you know, support items, but are they really actually moving the needle? Are they making me better as a teacher? The funny thing about the PD too, is like everybody in the room knows it too. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in the room knows this decision to have this training was not based on data. Yep. It was not based on what's actually happening in our school. This is some new initiative uh, that my either my school leader read about or they went to a training and now they're all jazzed up about it. Yep. Or our district or our network decided this is the thing. And now we're all going to sit through this. And by the way, it's never going to get brought up again. Yeah. Or it's going to, but it's going to be like, you know, bare... You know, I'm barely going to get any coaching around this thing, barely going to get, but it's just going to be another thing. And it's, it's interesting. You're making me think years ago, I was, uh, I was with, a I was at a school in Milwaukee and, um, I was meeting with the principal and the, the Dean of students. It was, that was a pretty, pretty small school. So just, just principal and, and Dean of students in the building as leaders and the Dean of students had just come back from a full day PD around restorative, restorative justice. And so I asked him about it. I said, how was it? And he said it was amazing, which really stood out to me. I remember it. he said it was amazing. And I said, great. I said, what are your next steps based on the PD? And I'm not beating up on this guy because he's a sweet guy, but he didn't he didn't have any like there was nothing. There was nothing to then do. Um, the facilitators didn't provide any. Here's what you do tomorrow. Here's what you do two weeks from now. And maybe that was their design. Maybe this was uh, a multi-part, a multi-part series. Although I don't think it was. But here's this guy who went to this this great training. M most of the trainings aren't great. We've been in them. We've sometimes will be facilitating after somebody who's running one, and I'm like, oh, this is tough. Like these people are not setting us up. You're supposed to have an opening act, right? That like warms up the crowd. These people are not warming up the crowd. But uh, this this training, according to this guy, was was really good. But there was nothing to do next. And I think it's a really you know we compare it often. If you ever go to a restaurant and you order a, a bottle of wine, you know that thing when you order a bottle of wine and they come over with like they give you the the one glass they the the waiter or waitress pours like a little bit in one glass and then gives it to you and Absolutely. you're supposed to like smell it and then sip it and then be like oh it tastes good but like nobody ever at least i don't i would never be like no this isn't what i want i mean what? it's wine right Dude, have you sent have you ever sent it back of course really it's not the right <laughs> bouquet not the right acidity sometimes yeah yeah <laughs> well, we got more fancy dinners man I have a question. How do they make the decision on who to on who to put the glass in front of? Is this like a totally sexist <laughs> construct? If it's a man and a woman, do they are they always putting it in front of the man? Uh, no, you just kind of you make eye contact and you do a little head nod, and they know that you're the one. I'm but, not sure. I'm not sure that that's right. <laughs> no, I, I think, think I think it's probably pretty. Um, Pretty sexist. And what if it's a same-sex couple or it's just two friends? I mean, how do they decide? I think it's probably based in some uh, 
old fashioned who's paying for the meal. Yeah, but how would they know that? I I want to yeah. I want to talk to somebody who's waited tables because I will bet there's no formula here. Yeah, I will bet there's no formula, and that they just go. If it's a man and a woman, I bet they go to the man every time. Yeah. And I don't know if it's. I mean, if it's a same sex couple or if it's just friends or a group of friends, maybe it's the person who ordered it. Maybe, I don't know. I just usually, they, I just usually look at the waiter and, and give them a head nod. And so you're the so you're the person. Is that the deal? <laughs> I'm the person. So here's, I have, let's do an experiment. And I want to, when this pandemic, when we're back to, uh, back to being out, I want us to go to dinner together and we'll order a bottle of wine, but here's what we'll do is I'll order it, but you make the eye contact with the, with the wait staff when they come over and we'll see who they put it down in front of. Right. It's coming to me. (laughs) All right. It probably will be. Here's a final point. Um, what, what when we think about PD, we think of it almost as like the little taste of the wine. Yeah, and we still have to get the bottle, right? And the bottle is what happens on site at the school, right? The bottle is the is the coaching, right? The bottle is the the the, the data collection. It's the consistent feedback. It's the making people better. It's the setting the setting goals uh, for that for that teacher's classroom for their students for themselves, um, and so on. Um, Antonio, we just powered through, by the way, friends, we are going to talk about teacher coaching on probably 10 different episodes. We just scratched the surface today. We just talked big picture about it. We did not talk about how to coach or what to coach on, but we just talked about some of the big ideas around and Antonio, any final thoughts on teacher coaching before we, we, uh, we part ways on this special daytime edition of informal observations. I mean, my final thought is, you know, we have to address the, the the emergency, right? We have to address the the, the knife in the chest. We have to um, really engage. And, you know, I just, it baffles me every time we have this conversation and I think about every other important career, every other um, important occupation in the world and how coaching happens. And it has to happen at that same level of intensity. Coach your teachers like you would as a surgeon would be coached as a pilot would be coached the most important things um they we we did our, our our children deserve that level of of betterment of our our teachers so just get in let's get it done call if you're not sure what to do email michael <laughs> he gave his email address. we will certainly help you get on the right path on that note, we are going to break from this episode of Informal Observations. Um, we, I'm going to watch Serial Mom. <laughs> we are not condoning underage drinking, though we are going to drink some Jägermeister in, a, in a, another couple of months. And we will see when we are together again uh, in person who they put the bottle of wine or the glass of wine in front of when Antonio and I are out. Friends, for Antonio, uh, I am Michael. This is Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. We will see you next time and keep on rocking. This was Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at wewillskyrocket.com and look out for our next episode.